All right, good morning, Veritas, and so glad to be with you this morning and to be able to bring God's Word. Uh, if you're new to Veritas and just checking us out, we, one of the things we do every week is we open the Bible and we are in this series called Follow Me. What we're trying to do as a church, the, the mission, the thing that we're all about is helping people become learning followers of Jesus Christ. And so what better way to do that than to follow Jesus around and ask him to teach us how to pray? There's a section in Matthew 6 where the disciples ask Jesus how to pray, and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. It's a famous prayer. And last week, Pastor Jeff talked about the first part of the prayer, which says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Reveal who you are. Show us who you are. The God of the universe we can call Father. It was a great, encouraging word to start us. And now we come to the next section, but let me read the whole prayer to give us some context. This is Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today, we're going to focus on verse 10 that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My first question is, your kingdom come, your will be done. What does that mean? What does it mean for God's kingdom to come? There are a thousand different ways we could preach this and talk about this. Uh, In fact, over a hundred times, Jesus teaches on the kingdom. It was his favorite thing to talk about. Uh, He talks about it as a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like, like a mustard seed, or it's like leaven, or it's like a man scattering seed, or it's like a hidden treasure, or it's like a king who hosts a great banquet, or And he goes on and on and story after story. There are many ways we could look at this topic of the kingdom. But the way I want to go about it this morning is I want to talk about how Matthew approaches the kingdom, how he begins, and just look at this word, the kingdom, and how this, the the ways that he uses it before he gets to Matthew 6. Okay, so we're going to start the first time we find this mention of the kingdom is in chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Okay, so every kingdom has a king. And he's saying, the king is close to us. The kingdom is near. The king has, the king of heaven is just rolled into town. Okay, so here's the definition of kingdom. As this guy, Dallas Willard, uh, he's a great, he, he's a great writer, thinker, has, has written a lot of great things. He passed away, I think, a few years ago. Um, but he, a lot of the thoughts from this come from his work. And, uh, but he defines the kingdom as this. We got to define kingdom first. Here it is. The kingdom is, it's the full range of your effective will. Wherever what you say goes. So, thinking of kingdom, not just in terms of the kingdom of God, but 
anyone's kingdom. It's the full range of your effective will. It's, it's that any area that you can command and say, do this, and it does that. That's kind of your realm of kingdom. Now, all of us have a kingdom. It's our bodies. Our body is our kingdom. Have you ever seen a baby discover their hand? Maybe as they're growing out of the baby stage, they get to the toddler stage or whatever that stage is where they, they, they're, they're moving and they're screaming or whatever, but then all of a sudden they see their hand. Have you ever seen that moment where all of a sudden they're just looking at their hand and they're moving it? And it's like they are in awe of the fact that they control their hand or their foot and they look at it and they pull it into their mouth, whatever it is. And, and there's kind of that moment of, wait, this is part of me. I control this. I'm Lord over this thing. And they're learning to exert their will over their body. So they're learning the full range of their effective will. They're learning to exercise their will over their body parts. Now, here's the thing. None of us come out of the womb wanting other people to control us, do we? So as soon as we come out, we start discovering lordship over our body parts. And as soon as we get discover control over our vocal cords, the first thing we say is mine or no or more. And we begin to test the full range of that. And we start bossing the people around us and, and seeing if our will extends to them. And we find out that parents are not so accommodating of that lordship. Grandparents are easier to control for kids. So, so their will extends to them. Hey, I want that. And they get whatever they want from grandma and grandpa. But here's, the, here's what we're, we're saying here. What John is saying is, here's the implications of the authority of Jesus Christ coming into the world. He uses this word, repent. The kingdom of heaven is, is near, so repent. And this word uh, in Greek, metanoia, is like to change your mind, change your thinking. So we've got our definition of kingdom, but let's look at the definition of repent. Repent means to change the way you think about your life. Repent, change the way you think about your life, your whole approach to your life. Understanding that there's this kingdom it's God's kingdom. And then there's this other kingdom. It's my kingdom. Right, God's kingdom, my kingdom. And what I'm doing is I'm repenting. I'm saying, I, I'm changing my mind about who's in control of this thing. And I'm trying to bring it under the authority and lordship of Jesus. So think about this. Imagine um, there, there's actually a, a story I heard about uh, the owner of a large company. And he was going to be gone for a staff meeting, and so he had his partner leading the staff meeting. And his partner had the whole staff, large staff team in front of him. He was leading the staff meeting, and, and, and his partner began to slander his boss in front of all the employees, was slandering the boss. Well, the boss actually ended up walking into the room, but came in behind him, and he just kind of stood there and listened. And the whole staff, their, their eyes get wide open like, oh no, oh no. And 
the partner just kept going on and on about what a terrible boss and can you believe this? And the whole time, the, the boss just stood there and listened. Now, imagine that that's you. You're the partner leading the staff meeting. That's you standing there and John the Baptist is that person in the staff meeting who stands up and is like, no, stop, stop. He's giving you the, the death sign, right? Like, like, stop what you're saying. Stop what you're doing. The boss is in the room. That is the picture of what John the Baptist is saying. Hey, look behind you. The king of kings has rolled up into this meeting. And the staff meeting, those staff members, those are your, the parts of your body. That's your little kingdom. And you're doing whatever it is that you want with your life. The staff are, it's your tongue, it's your hands, it's your mind, it's your bank account, it's your business. It's anything that is in the realm of your control. And you are saying, oh, you step aside and see Jesus, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done means, Jesus, my life is yours, set it right. If you're taking notes, write that down. The first thing we see from Matthew 3 in the first use of this word, of this, this phrase kingdom, we learn that when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying, Jesus, my life is yours, set it right. Make it right. I've been running this staff meeting. I've been running my life for all these years. And I need you to rule my life. And this is a prayer that you can't pray with clenched fists. Right? You got to pray this with open palms. Palms out. Here's the problem. The next time we see this word, the kingdom, is in Matthew 4. Look at what happens. Jesus encounters Satan in the wilderness. And this is the last temptation of Christ in the wilderness. Verse 8, again, it says, The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God. And serve only him. Here's kind of the heart of that temptation. Imagine someone came up to you with a deal. Here's the deal. You can rule every nation on earth. It could all be yours. You could rule America. You could rule China. You could rule France. You could rule Russia. You could live, rule the greatest countries on earth and the smallest countries on earth, but you get to control it all. You own all the beachfront properties. You own all the ski resorts. It's all yours. You can decide if you're going to wear masks or not wear masks. You get your public policy. You get your way. It's all yours. This is the offer that Satan is giving Jesus, and we're not going to get into it now, but this is a real offer, right? Adam gave authority over to Satan, and Satan's looking at Jesus and saying, this could be yours. Look, look at all of this, all the kingdoms of the earth. Nobody's going to tell you what to do. Would you take the deal? Would you take the deal? Here's the answer. 
Of course you would. Of course you would take the deal. We do this every day. This temptation is an appeal to what all of us want more than anything else. Control. Power. So, why would anyone want to pray this prayer? It's so counter our flesh. It's so counter our selfishness. We want to say mine, but this prayer is yours. This is a problem. This is a huge problem. Think about worldliness and how the world thinks. I read this this week. This guy, David Wells, defines worldliness. It's kind of the contrast to kingdom of God thinking is worldly thinking. And he defines worldliness in this way. He said, worldliness is that system of values which makes sin look normal and righteousness seem strange. It's weird that you would give control to someone else. That's strange. I mean, think of all these phrases that we hear all the time from the world. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Or life is about you fulfilling your dreams. It's normal to want to rule your life. That message is reinforced every day in a thousand different ways. Like you are the owner of your life and you need to have this. This temptation, this offer for control and power. And it's an illusion, isn't it? I mean, Satan desperately wants us to rule because us ruling means actually he rules us. There's no such thing as us being in control. And Jesus says no to this proposition. He wins this battle against this temptation for power, for taking the crown of gold. He pushes it back to Satan and he says, I got a better crown. It's going to be a crown of thorns. But think about this. What happens right after this temptation of Christ? Well, the next time we see the word kingdom is in verse 17. Here's the context. John the Baptist is now out of the picture. Jesus has moved to Capernaum to begin his ministry of preaching. And listen to what Jesus says uh, in verse 17. Well, it says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. He picks up right where John the Baptist left off. He says the exact same words. Change your thinking because the king of kings has rolled up into town. So verse 23 says, Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. Okay. Why would anyone in their right mind pray your kingdom come? Why would any sane person give up control and want someone else's kingdom and rulership in their life? Here's why. Because at the end of the verse, verse 23, he was preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That is the good news of the kingdom is that when Jesus shows up 
everything changes. Sick people get healed. Blind people see. Deaf people hear. Bitter people begin to forgive. Everything changes when Jesus shows up. Sinners get forgiven. Jesus exerts his authority on earth by fixing what is broken. This is the good news of the kingdom. Remember, the kingdom is the full range of God's effective will. The full range of God's effective will is what? Everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He is all powerful. And when he shows up, everything changes. This is great news for us that we are not in control. And when we pray your kingdom come, we remind ourselves every time we say it and pray it that we don't want that authority and control. We are not all powerful. When we take control of stuff, we break it. When Jesus takes control of stuff, he fixes it. The last mention of the word kingdom in the book of Matthew is at the very end. I want to fast forward to Matthew chapter 26, verse 29. Matthew 26, 29. This is the first communion, the first Lord's Supper in there. Eating, drinking, Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. I can't wait till we, I'm using the communion table to preach. I can't wait when we can gather and take the Lord's Supper again. But, but this was the first Lord's Supper. And I want you to look at verse 29. So after he tells him to drink from the cup, he said, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 29, but I tell you, listen, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I can just feel my heart just ache with homesickness. I see Jesus looking at us in the eyes with those disciples. Every time we take communion, he's saying, the next time we take this together, it will be when we drink it anew with you in the kingdom. When you pray, your kingdom come, you just can feel your soul ache with longing for God to exert his authority. I've been thinking about this in a world without God, in a world where all there is is nature, all there is is science, all there is is random laws of the universe in a place where science is God. Survival is your only hope. 
Your only hope is to live a few more years on planet Earth. Your only hope is just to survive a little longer because when you die, it's like somebody's going to turn the off switch and it's done. Nothing else on the other side. What a sad, hopeless existence. But Christian, the kingdom of God is coming. And God's will finally being done on earth as it is in heaven is our only hope. It is what gives us joy. It is what gives us optimism. Is your kingdom come? And we say it with an ache, but with a smile and joy, maybe tears of joy, like your kingdom come, your will be done. And listen how the Bible ends. I want to read this from Revelation 22. This is how the Bible ends. Last chapter in the book. This is from Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message. He says, Then the angel showed me the water of life river, crystal bright. It flowed from the throne of God and the Lamb right down the middle of the street. The tree of life was planted on each side of the river, producing 12 kinds of fruit, a ripe fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Never again will anything be cursed. The throne of God and of the Lamb is at the center. His servants will offer God service, worshiping the look on his face, their foreheads mirroring God. Never again will there be any night. No one will need lamplight or sunlight. The shining of God, the master, is all, that, is all the light anyone needs. And they will rule with him age after age after age. Jump down to verse 20. He who testifies to all these things says it again. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Yes. Come, Master Jesus. The grace of the Master Jesus be with you all. Oh, yes. The Bible ends with the Lord's Prayer. Come, Master Jesus. The first point was that your kingdom your will means, Jesus, my life is yours. Set it right. The second point, if you're taking notes, is your kingdom come, your will be done means, Jesus, set the world right. Set the world right. You know what happens? There's God's kingdom. There's our kingdom. And when we become a Christian, we step into the lordship of Jesus. We become citizens of his kingdom. We order our lives under his authority. And every day we long for that and we say, oh God, help us. But the problem is uh, the kingdom drift, this, this thing where we just constantly drift away. And every time we're praying, your kingdom come, we're reordering our lives under the kingdom of God. And we also look around at our world and we see the brokenness and the sin and our hearts just ache for God to take the entire world and bring it under his authority. And that day will come. 
But for now, we pray this with longing. This week, I, I heard uh, this word nostalgia. Uh, it's, it's a couple Greek words, I believe. The, the algia is like, like pain or sickness. I mean, you've heard maybe of fibromyalgia. It's like a, uh, nostalgia, uh, the, the first part of it, nos, is like, is like home. So it's like a nostalgia is a home sickness. And uh, I was thinking about this, this ache for home, because that's kind of what I feel when I pray this prayer, and, and this is especially true today. Last November, uh, Leith and I uh, lost her mother, Jean. She went to be with the Lord. She passed away from lung cancer. It happened so suddenly. October, she was diagnosed with cancer. November, she was gone. This will be our first Mother's Day without Jean. And our hearts ache to think of it. And we're going to go through this day with this ache in our souls. The sadness. But as we pray, your kingdom come, we remember our hope. We remember that the news of the kingdom is good news. You've been watching a lot of news. I'm telling you, this is the good news you need to tune into. It's the good news of the kingdom of God that the best thing you've experienced on earth is just, as the hymn says, a foretaste of glory divine. Church, let's learn how to pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let's remember that your kingdom come is offering Jesus our lives, giving him the authority, saying, Jesus, my life is yours. We pray it with open hands. My question to you is, have you ever done this? Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life to him? You know, in the, in the old catechism, it says, my only hope in life and in death is that I am not by my own, but I belong body and soul to Jesus Christ. Have you ever transferred your trust, your body and your soul to Jesus Christ? I would encourage you to do that this morning as we close in worship. Use this as an opportunity to sing for the first time and delight in giving your heart and soul to Jesus Christ. Uh, the, I was reading The Great Divorce this week by C.S. Lewis, and I want to read this little section. He says, the choice of every lost soul can be expressed in the words, that's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. There is always something they insist on keeping, even at the price of misery. We so don't want God to have control. We would hold on to it, even if it means us being miserable. And then he goes on and he says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek 
find. To those who knock, it is opened. Who will rule you this morning? Which of those two people are you? May we be a people who invite Jesus to rule us as a people, as a church. May God just rule in our hearts. And second, your kingdom come is, it is to pray with longing that Jesus will set this world right. Let's pray together. Jesus, we long for your return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I pray that every lost soul that's watching this will open up their hands and let you find them. And I pray that every saint who has prayed this prayer many times before will once again, with a smile on our face, say, your kingdom come. Maybe today on this Mother's Day, there's an ache in our souls for whatever reason. And we're just homesick for you, Lord. And we just want your kingdom. Comfort those that are hurting and sad. Lord, for those where life is going well, that they would long for even a better thing, your kingdom. And all of us, we come in the name of Jesus, longing for you, and we pray in your name. Amen.